0: Oh, intelligent television. That's what it means.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's what it's meant this whole time.
1: Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport and I'm Evan Hirsch, and today we are talking about the IntelliVision Amico, which was a weird kind of crowd-funded Retro console for kids that just it just went completely wrong.
0: Yeah, I heard about this only in passing from just a bunch of YouTube videos I watched and just online internet drama. But I'm really excited to dig deeper into it to see what other things I could have missed.
1: So, before we get to the the modern console that sort of went, uh, it, it didn't go well um we're going to talk about the original Intellivision first and sort of how we got to this point so the original Intellivision was a home video game console created by Mattel Electronics and released in 1979 so this was in the second generation of game consoles along with the Fairchild Channel F the Atari 2600 the Odyssey 2 and the ColecoVision so mm-hmm. very early barely a video game at this point. Um, the Intellivision used a custom 16-bit processor paired with one kilobyte of RAM. Watch out. <laughs> and it it generally had better graphics than the Atari 2600, and it, it used a couple different tricks to sort of do that. Part of that was uh, actually kind of cool for the time. It had... A lot of the common code and libraries for games on an internal like flash rom Mm -hmm. so games didn't necessarily have to like like you could fit a game on the intellivision into like two kilobytes or something that might take like four on another console um now the downside of of stuff like that is that most of the games ran at like 20 hertz (laughs) instead of like the 60 and you'd get from the atari or other consoles but you know they tried they did they could
0: that's pretty cool. I actually didn't know that. I didn't even realize that. So like I guess the modern analog would kind of be like almost a game console including parts of an engine or graphics library like inside the console itself, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was like kind of very early, not like operating system, but like kind of some shared code, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Intellivision was unique primarily for two different reasons. Number 1 was the controller, which uh, it, it used two controllers that kind of like slotted into the console when you weren't using them, and each controller had it like a knob mm-hmm. and a twelve-button numeric keypad.
0: Right. Yeah. The uh, um, the classic phone controller. I've heard of this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It it looked really weird, and it also did the thing that some other like key like uh, PC games did, where the games would come with like overlays that you like slide on top of the buttons that would kind of tell you what each button does. And the other unique thing that this console's kind of known for is is kind of like uh, innovative advertising. Like one of the things that this console was known for was there would be a lot of ads where someone representing like Intellivision would would sort of pit the console directly against like the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and they show like both versions of a similar game. On like a TV ad and be like, look, you can literally see the difference. You should buy in television.
0: I I think that became. I'm not sure if that was the first one, but it definitely became a common practice afterwards, right? Like there are many yeah. ads yeah. Uh, from uh, Nintendo and Sega. Specifically, I think Sega during the Super Nintendo Genesis era, where Sega constantly did this, like touting made up things like blast processing, right? But like I didn't yeah. I, I didn't realize that was happening so far back.
1: So here I've got. A, a, a TV ad For the television. I'm ready to go Okay, three, two, one Go Hills presents Intellivision Intelligent television By Mattel More sophisticated than any video game That has come before Providing hours of entertainment For the entire family In television, with one of the clearest game displays available today, find this system plus a complete line of sports and video game cassettes at Hills, where our game is low prices every day. Look at that football game; it almost looks like football.
0: It's true. (laughs) I mean, to me, as someone who doesn't watch much football, it's probably more understandable.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd see this in the other room and go, "Yep, that looks like football." yep yep go 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 team
0: yeah exactly no that's pretty cool i i mean i think one thing that's interesting is that i have not really looked too much at video game consoles and video game history before the great like before the crash of the late 80s but i assume we're going to get to that later with it in television etc
1: yeah um and so mattel released that it was doing pretty well they eventually release a redesign called the Intellivision 2, mm-hmm. which had a smaller size and it combined some of the chips to bring down the manufacturing price. So this wasn't like a graphical upgrade or anything. It was just like we need to make this cheaper. Right. And there were projects to create a successor console, but the video game crashed in 1983, mm-hmm. put those plans to a halt. And former Mattel Electronics Senior Vice President of Marketing, which was Terrence Velesky. Uh, bought the rights to Intellivision. So Mattel was like, we don't want to do this anymore. And Valeski comes in and buys the rights. He created a company called INTV Corp, which continued to sell the console as a budget device uh, throughout the 1980s. I think they finally stopped selling it in 1990. Mm-hmm. So technically this was on the market for a long time. Um, I I couldn't find like good numbers, but it seems like The vast majority of sales happened uh, while it was still under Mattel. So uh, they didn't really sell a whole lot um, after that point. Uh, After 1990, this uh, INTV company declared bankruptcy. And then in 1997, Terrence Velisky sold the rights to Intellivision to Ultimate Corp, which was a special effects studio. That same year, two people, Keith Robinson and Stephen Roney, licensed the Intellivision brand and games from Ultimate Corp. Robinson and Ronnie previously worked on Intellivision games at Mattel, back when the console was still selling, and they formed a new company called Intellivision Productions. But they uh, collaborated with other retro enthusiasts to create emulators for the Intellivision, and they started dumping the ROMs for a lot of the games and publishing them for free online that's pretty cool. Um, In 1999, this company, Intellivision Productions, published a compilation of 50 games called Intellivision Lives, which -hmm. was sold for mail order for Mac and PC. Uh, This was a collection of playable games, as well as developer interviews, old television commercials, and staff credits that were never included in the original games. And that collection was eventually ported to the Xbox, PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Nintendo DS. That's a good example of like actual like video game preservation that we don't see a whole lot. Um, like the these these two guys who worked on the original television getting the rights back and just releasing the games in as many formats as they can. Um that's pretty cool.
0: No, that's nice. I think we're starting to see some of it. That's similar to I think Atari did that recently with Atari fifty. Um yeah, but that's it's very cool that they were doing that honestly, so close to kind of the Intellivision and all of this happening, right? Like, m- often this will happen, like, 40, 50 years later, but this happened almost immediately.
1: Yeah, and from, like, people involved in the original console. That's that's pretty cool. Unfortunately, Keith Robinson died in 2017, mm-hmm. and his share in Intellivision Productions was purchased by Tommy Telerico. Ah, yes. And... This is the guy best known for creating the video games live orchestra. And before that, he uh, ran a a game music studio called Tommy Tellerico Studios. That's right. uh, Which, yeah, which worked on a bunch of different games and especially the 90s. Um, Later on, he credited the original Intellivision for getting him interested in video games in the first place. I don't know if that's revisionist history or not. There's a lot of (laughs) that that happens here. Um,
0: (laughs) I'm not shocked by this, no.
1: Tommy rebranded the company to Intellivision Entertainment, Mm -hmm. uh, with Steven Roney staying on as a chairman and uh, bringing back some other Intellivision developers to the company. Um, I Got a big quote from Tommy here. He said, quote, The Intellivision was always my favorite system because the games were cutting-edge, yet fun and simple to play, so our entire family could enjoy them together. I find those important elements to generally be lacking from our industry with the current modern gaming consoles. Our goal is to change that by focusing on bringing all age groups and levels of gamers and non-gamers together, while introducing new generations of people to the legacy success of the Intellivision brand. I want to bring gaming back into the families and to non-gamers, If hardcore gamers think that is stupid, lame, and dumb, that's okay. I'm not going to trick them into something it's not. Quote.
0: You know, honestly, my first thought, and I I didn't follow the Amico at the beginning, but my first thought when I kind of heard of what Tommy was trying to do without really knowing him was like, you know what? This doesn't seem that terrible, right? Like, honestly, the kind of class i i love retro games i have a bunch of them i collect them and like to some extent i empathize because the types of games being made these days is different and it's different and for a different audience so him trying to like do something actually different and building in television to kind of like you know go back to the games etc of his childhood as someone who just loves gaming in general i empathize with that
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's not a bad take. There's probably an audience for something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, importantly, when that happened, there wasn't actually a console announced yet. That's where, like, everyone yeah. assumed what happened. But uh, it took a little bit later, and then in October 2018, this yeah. company announces its new console, which is the Intellivision Amico. Right. So now we're going to watch a trailer for that. All right. All right, hit play on... Three,
2: two, one, go. Television is bringing families back together again with an innovative gaming console called Amico. Forty years ago, video games burst onto the scene as families connected gaming consoles to their television sets and enjoyed playing simple games together. It didn't take long for video games to grow into a multi-billion-dollar industry, as the digital play from companies such as Atari, Coleco, and Intellivision became an integral part of childhood culture. But by the mid-90s, the video game industry took a turn. Easy-to-play games became sophisticated, controllers became complicated, and consoles became expensive. Sadly. Family play was replaced by solo play, and rooms full of laughter were replaced by insulating headsets. But all of that is about to change with the arrival of Amico. Just like the original in television, which pioneered couch co-op and family gaming, Amico, the Italian word for friend, promises to bring back family-friendly entertainment with the sole purpose of ease, togetherness, and fun. All Amico games are family-friendly and they contain no violence or any foul language. Families will enjoy gathering together with Amico and jumping right into fun-filled gameplay. The controllers are easy to learn, no matter what your skill level, and they've been designed to adapt difficulty for diverse skill ranges. Amico will take your family back to the days when setting up and playing video games didn't require a large investment of time, but yielded a ton of fun and laughs. Amico isn't just simple, it's affordable too. Buying a new video game system typically means expensive games and overpriced accessories, but not with Amico. The system comes with six built-in games and two wireless controllers with easy to use color touchscreens and a simple positional disc for endless hours of entertainment with your friends or family. Gameplay supports up to eight players. And if you don't have a controller, you still join in on the fun by downloading the free Amico app on your smart device. And Amico is for everyone. Just take a look at some of these games. The growing library includes motion-controlled sports games, party games, action arcade games, children's edutainment, and even beloved classic retro games that many parents grew up with and loved. And of course, they have been totally reimagined for today. Today's Amico is being led by an experienced team of game industry professionals who have worked on some of the most popular and biggest selling video game franchises of all time. These noted industry veterans bring decades of experience to Intellivision, and they have built a team of more than 60 people with the global presence as support. Intellivision Entertainment has already raised 17 million dollars for the development of Amico, thanks to financial backing from investors and more than 5,000 individuals. Join us as we bring families back together again, whether you are a parent, grandparent, Young or simply young at heart, make everlasting memories with the newest member of your family. Amiko from Intellivision Entertainment.
1: Alright, give me your thoughts.
0: Alright, so my thoughts on that. I have a couple uh I have do you want thoughts or do you want jokes? I've got like four queued-up jokes. Oh
1: go 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 for anything.
0: Okay. A couple things. One. Told you the Wii U wasn't a bad idea. Two, told you the Ouya wasn't a bad idea. Three, told you the Vita wasn't a bad idea. But like the actual thing, and I think I remember seeing this in some article around the time of its announcement, right? And then I just kind of brushed it off, right? And because, you know, it's a tech product and I follow those. But my first thought was, hey, this is a cute idea. Um, I think now that I've kind of got the context of the original and television, I can see what they were going for, right? Because, like, so the original and television, it has a controller that has about twelve—correct me if I'm wrong—buttons that are numbers, and then you essentially put uh, you put a sort of a a cover over those or a screen over those, depending on the game you're playing to change what the buttons do and like, you can see what they do based on the game. Right. And then there's like a small little, like essentially old iPod gen one, like wheel that you turn back and forth. Um, this new Amico comes with two controllers, but essentially you get to replace that, uh, t- like those 12 buttons with a touch screen, which is like a pretty good idea actually, because, or at least when I say good idea, it, very much is trying to continue what the original in is going for right where it's just like the those 12 buttons like change depending on the game that you're playing etc yeah um yeah and often things like the wii u which obviously is a pretty famous failure from nintendo um wha- we're trying to you know push to that younger audience by utilizing touch which is a thing that Very famously, the younger generation is growing up with as like their primary input method for computing devices. This is a concept and an idea, like a cheap, affordable, like uh, a cheap, affordable like video game console that exists to primarily target families with like primarily families enter family entertainment is like not a bad idea at all. But previous failures in like the home console space, like uh, trying to break that whole, you know. Uh, multiple console or the trying to break into that market. It's like, it's it's tough. You know, you saw the Ouya and stuff like that, and it just kind of flopped. Um, so having also a niche to pivot this thing towards, where it's like very very much like early childhood, um, family play, uh, a space that Nintendo didn't exactly leave, but they've kind of left open, isn't a terrible idea.
1: The I, I like the design of the console. It's like ju- it, it's sort of just like a box, but the controllers sort of sit in it like a charging dock. I think originally they they said this was going to use Qi charging for the controllers, but then they switched to like charging pins because that, that I'm that, sure that was, worked better. It worked um,
0: better, and it's probably cheaper too. I would have made the same yeah. choice.
1: Yeah, and the controllers the, the controllers do kind of look like iPods. Actually, that's a good yeah. point. But like with a taller screen. And the yeah the circle is more of a button, and also in this video that's kind of cool is in some of the games they're like holding it like you would hold an iPod, sort of in portrait mode, and then in other games they're holding it sideways. So it it is kind of also like I, like the thing I thought about in that ad when they're holding it sideways it's like oh it's like a Wii controller,
2: yeah,
0: right, Wii Remote exactly. Um, so it's like
1: oh, okay yeah yeah that works.
0: Yeah, the Wii Remote famously, uh, for those who don't know, is. You know, it's not exact. It didn't exactly revolutionize the world of video game controllers, but I consider it one of the smartest controllers ever made. It is essentially a remote with uh, a D-pad on it, with three with three buttons on the face uh, that are like used for games, and then a trigger on the back. And famously, you can hold it like a television remote where you're pointing it at the TV, or you can turn it on its side, and it fundamentally becomes a NES controller with the amount of buttons that it has um and you can see that's what they're doing in the, the with the same thing with the Amico although admittedly it has far less buttons um uh, it actually has i don't think any real buttons it basically just has that little wheel and then the touch screen um but yeah and,
1: and it has it has some buttons like on the side where like um, when you're yeah. holding it sideways they'd be like triggers but
0: that's probably enough and then you could probably have just very brightly colored one or two things on the touch screen for like various actions like, I, I think in this scenario, it could still work, right? Because the games don't really look very intense. Um, so it's probably fine.
1: Yeah, and it was also kind of interesting, this this touchscreen on the controller part of it that they're, they're showing in this ad is some of the games are using that as a second screen, mm-hmm. and then some of them are using it for extra controls, but then they also kind of showed how you might be able to play games entirely. On the Mm -hmm. touch screen. So in in that point it's more like the um uh the Sega Dreamcast, right? Where it had like the like modules in the controller you could take out and sort of had like very basic games on them.
0: Yes, the virtual memory units. Those actually in the Dreamcast, those are actually the memory cards. Back when that was like a thing during um early disc based systems like the PlayStation One, GameCube, etc. Like They had to put the storage somewhere and they put them on these little memory cards in the controller and Sega famously decided, like, hey, let's just, you know, throw a little cheap LCD screen on it so people can, you know, put chow from their chow garden and like take it on the go. Um, Obviously, that system didn't really, you know, light the world on fire. It was also canceled after three years.
1: Yeah. But yeah, like definitely, like a lot of good ideas going on here. Um, again, if if the execution worked out, which we now know it didn't, I yeah, I, I I do agree there probably is a market for this because when I think of like, uh, like like first of all, like the mainstream game consoles, they don't have a lot of family content. It is there. Like I I did play uh peppa pig on my xbox series x because it had like five (laughs) achievements (laughs) yeah i got that done real quick uh i keep
0: seeing that on mine too i mean it's on game pass man you gotta get that it is
1: that's how i play (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah i'll play peppa pig i don't have to buy it sure yeah um so yeah like that there's not a lot of options there um nintendo is definitely the winner here but with Nintendo, they actually don't have a ton of games at this point that are fun on a single shared TV screen, right? You know, stuff like Mario Party is is fine, like that's what it's actually built for. But even when you go to like Mario Kart, like it's not fun having the screen divided into like four squares and everyone has to look at their mm. little square.
0: I I would say there's like one or two. I'd say some of the Mario games are uh, the upcoming Mario Wonder is on the whole things have kind of moved mostly towards uh split screen or single player.
1: Yeah. And, and definitely part of the advertising for this is that it's, it's also more affordable. Like if yeah. I'm, if I'm getting, if I'm like a family and I'm getting a switch and I want to play Mario party, I'm buying the switch, which is going to be like 300 bucks. I'm buying Mario party, which is going to be like 60. And then I need like two more joy cons. Cause the thing only comes with two. So that's another, like 80 bucks or something so that that does add up so yeah you know if there there is like probably a market here somewhere but
0: i i would also like to point out i think something we didn't really note note from the trailer is the trailer obviously showcased families right and those children in those in the trailer like none of them were over 10 years old that type of thing you know obviously i mean if, if your killer app is like sesame street you're not exactly trying to target the tweens here (laughs) so um i don't know but like that that i think is also something to note because nintendo i would say very much is geared towards family friendly um but i wouldn't say they're explicitly trying to target families right like they yeah their content is i very much in the vein of rated e for everyone everyone can play and everyone can enjoy um but like probably very very young children like kids who are five or something are i don't know they're probably going to be a little thrown off by like mario odyssey or breath of the wild right um regardless uh yeah they're they're very much pivoting towards a specific demographic uh that you know does probably want something like this
1: yeah and um also a couple things that were um not in the trailer the amiko was going to be optimized for 2d games so there there were eventually like demos of 3d games but most of these are are flat Mm. and uh in television entertainment claimed it had developed the world's most advanced 2d gaming chip with support for over a million sprites on a screen at once
0: interesting um
1: that was the thing i was going to
0: ask was what chip is in it
1: yeah well, we we sort of find out eventually, but this would support up to eight wireless controllers in total, so they've had the two on top of the console. I don't know if they were planning to sell additional physical controllers, but also that they did show in that trailer how there was a, a like a smartphone app that could turn it into basically a controller, so that would be another option. Right, And they, they showed like a little like nub thing you put on top of your touchscreen to sort of simulate the the circle pad. Uh, which is pretty cool. That's a good idea.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a wild little idea too. They could probably just package the console with like a bunch of those since they're cheap to manufacture. Yeah. Um,
1: oh no, I lost my nubs.
0: <laughs> and, well, I mean, hey, it's probably the easiest joystick to replace. <laughs> on top, yeah. on top of that, um, it's also yeah, my my
1: nub has drift. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on top of that, actually, something I'm curious about is. Um, and I don't know if this is something you'll bring up later, did they ever talk about how the actual streaming technology to the controllers was done?
1: Yeah, we, we get some technical details afterward, but not not a lot, unfortunately. Right. Uh, games for the Amico would be uh, far more focused in scope than more popular consoles, like we talked about this, uh, to sort of fit with this plan for uh, family fun. Uh, the games would be required to be non-violent, so... Uh-huh. Okay. No, uh, no Resident Evil for the Amico, sadly. Mm-hmm. Also, the ESRB ratings had to be either E for everyone or E Ten and up. Right. And the company also planned to port many of the original Intellivision games to the Amico, as well as license games from Atari's classic library. And and also they uh, would not support in-app purchases or post-purchase downloadable content on this console. So no DLC. No, like you know, unlock magical coins for with, with mom's credit card, right? Um, and uh, each game was intended to cost between two ninety nine and seven ninety seven dollars and ninety nine cents. That's so that was good. kind of the range they were going for, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I I like that as well because one of the things you often hear, um, and I don't necessarily blame like the the companies that run these stores, uh, for this, but like a lot of the games modern a lot of modern mobile games that you just kind of like give to children on ipads or whatever like you hear these horror stories about like i don't know some couple gave a five year old an ipad and they downloaded a game and spent like ten thousand dollars in it because they just don't understand what they're doing yeah right and it's like everyone
1: everyone buying Fortnite v bucks with the with the parent credit card
0: exactly yeah and it's like you know, at the end of the day, the parents should be setting up parental controls on these devices and, like, l- limits and things to prevent this from happening, but also, like, using that as a selling point of, like, hey, you're, you can feel safe, this won't happen on this device. It's it's very obvious why they went that route.
1: Yeah, and um, Intellivision was aiming for a price tag between $150 and $180 for the finished console with a projected release date of October 2020 and they were hoping to have developer kits done by 2019 so they could start making games. So, pretty good so far. Um no no major red flags. And um a little bit after that in May of 2019, uh we get kind of a big exclusive game for the Amico was announced, which is a new Earthworm Jim game. What? Yeah. <laughs> So, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Earthworm Jim was a series of platforming games. Uh, the first one was in 1994, and I think the first two are pretty well-liked. I've not played them myself. And then I believe there was a 3D one that was less popular, and then there was a Game Boy Color game in 1999, and that was also not popular. And then after that point, it, it kind of like languished. And then Atari announced at E3 2006 that a new game was in development for the PSP, the PlayStation Portable. At at some point, that game was like quietly put on hold and then it was canceled entirely. I think it was something to do with like royalty payments for the license or something. I I don't really know. So uh, much later, there's this new game for the Amico announced. Um, And kind of the interesting twist here, and probably why this happened, is the person who worked on the music for the first, at least the second Earthworm Jam game, was Tommy. So that, that probably oh. helped this go along. So, kind of a weird exclusive to have, but that is a, a game series people know about, and at least some people were interested in, because there, there were a lot of articles about this when it was announced.
0: Yeah, no, um, Earthworm Jim's not something I've been familiar with, but, you know, it's got its fans.
1: So. In April of 2020, pre-orders for the Intellivision Amico opened, which Mm -hmm. required a $100 deposit that was refundable if you wanted to cancel. Intellivision quickly racked up over 10,000 pre-orders. And then also before that point, they had sold some, uh, they called them Founders Edition units uh, in January that were, I I think like late stage prototypes. I'm not really sure. They also tried to be cute there and they sold uh, 2,600. Of the the founder edition, so Atari twenty
0: six hundred. Oh, that's adorable! Yeah,
1: yeah. And television also said that major retailers had placed purchase orders for more than a hundred thousand units, uh, but it was putting those on hold um, to sort of prioritize the direct orders because, mm-hmm. of course, uh, COVID was was starting. <laughs> uh, right. Well, not starting. It was it was April, so uh, manufacturing was already becoming an issue. And the the console, even with, like, you know, COVID looming, it still had a release date of October 10th, 2020. Uh, By this point, Intellivision said the Amico had 50 games in development, which that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, And in April, they launched a uh, campaign on Fig, which is sort of like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, but it's for video games. And the idea is that you could back a project... To get the video game and also receive like some sort of stock in the company. I don't know if it was like exactly stock, but it was it was that co- sort of concept. So that raised Intellivision another seven million.
0: Yeah, I think famously also Psychonauts two was uh, funded on Fig, if I remember correctly.
1: So the next month in May of twenty twenty, uh, Intellivision gets a new global marketing director who is Jay Allard. Uh, he was a former Microsoft executive who was best known for working on the original Xbox and Xbox live disclaimer. I work uh, there now. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like disclaimer. He is in the room next to me. <laughs>
0: disclaimer. I, I can drive over to him, but he doesn't know who I am.
1: So he, he came on in May of 2020 and he ended up leaving a few months later. Um, he, he said, quote, no drama, just not a good fit quote. Mm-hmm. So all good. Um, now, however, there is an issue with this later on where in March of 2021, so a little under a year after this, uh, Intellivision was doing a presentation to investors or or potential investors and they were bragging that, uh, Jay Allard was involved in the company. Like they were like, guys, look at this catch we got. He, he worked on Xbox. Don't you want to invest in us? Uh, which is illegal. You can't do that. Mm. uh this caused the u.s securities and exchange commission to send in television a letter asking when exactly he had left the company (laughs) Uh Uh, so that's not good and yeah um... that
0: does not sound that great um now quick question actually uh you just said that um there was a figs thing was in 2020 right
1: uh yes, that was in April 2020.
0: Yeah, and they were pitching to investors in 2021.
1: They sure were.
0: Uh-huh. We're so we're going to get you, to that. Yeah, I was about to say, let's That's that's definitely interesting. I'm sure that's very normal and not weird.
1: That is normal. Fun fact, that same presentation uh, also mentioned the vice president of global marketing who was someone who previously worked at Mattel and had also left the company by that point. So, just Uh, Normal things. Normal things in a presentation. Hmm. Also, around this time, uh, Tommy, who is now the CEO of Intellivision, is revealed to not be a very nice person. Who knew? Really? Uh, Yeah, really. He was a frequent poster on the Atari Age forums, which was primarily about, like, retro game console stuff, but then as the in television, Amico started to get attention. Like there were a lot of discussions about that. There, Tommy would often get into fights with other forum abusers and right. getting involved in threads about the Amiko console. And there would be like threads where just like for days he's like replying back and forth to people on there. He uh, would call critics quote mentally unstable folks, uh, also cowards, uh, usual know it all morons, uh, communists. And most famously, a gaming racist.
0: This is also what I call people when they tell me they don't like Overwatch. Uh, (laughs) So you know what? That's pretty. Yeah. Yeah, you gaming racist. What? What do you have wrong against Torbjorn Means? Like that's not okay.
1: One one post I I liked where uh, he was complaining about uh, people on YouTube who were talking about the Miko. He said, "Quote." Now hurry on back to your safe space, surrounded by your stuffed animals, so you can sling your arrows instead of standing up for yourselves and facing me.
0: Qu- he's talking about the Squishmallow girls there. Like, <laughs> I'm really going for them.
1: <laughs> he's, he's like, debate me, you cowards.
0: <laughs> De- uh, yeah, I mean, look. So I... This seems like a very upstanding, fine individual. You know, I don't. This is a I'm, normal. This is normal a normal CEO. human being who has went to therapy before. I don't really see the problem, but you know, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Well, let's see if let's see if the later stuff changes my mind, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, also, around this time, it's pointed out that uh, Tommy was following some of uh, uh, far right people on Twitter. Uh oh.
0: Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop the ironic shtick now, um, just so people don't think I'm serious. who <laughs> was he following?
1: He was following, uh, Tommy Lauren from Fox News. Uh, he was following Ben Shapiro, Tim Pool, Stephen Crowder, Jordan Peterson, and, uh, the quartering on YouTube. And, again, like, none of that should be surprising after he's just calling people communists for no reason. <laughs> like,
0: Yeah. No, that's, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not shocked, um... Like I guess the gaming community has had these types of like gamers notoriously suck, <laughs> like, yes,
1: like, yeah. like
0: like notoriously gamers are not people i i'm I'm not even gonna actually follow that up like notoriously <laughs> like gamers are not like human beings, um especially right. the ones that the ones that are online and like go to forums like in 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 the year of our lord twenty twenty three to like post about atari right those are the types of people you just generally don't want to interact with actually um but he kind of sought them out um which is like step one of thing you shouldn't do and then engage with them to get angrier um and like you know there's there's people in the gaming industry who have like done this before um at least like not to compare the two because like at least he made something good but like phil fish is a pretty famous case uh phil fish the creator of fez pretty famously like just engaged with some like negative stuff that was said about fez or something else um and then literally just quit like canceled the sequel to fez too because of some guy um and just quit making games altogether this this type of sort of like back and forth anger stuff is like I won't say commonplace, but not entirely unheard of. But yeah, Tommy seems to be uh, continuously doing this type of thing.
1: Yeah. So we're going to watch part of an interview from 2020 where uh, Mm. Tommy compares criticism about the Amico's development to cancel culture.
0: Oh, yeah. I've seen. Okay. yep. Yeah.
1: I'm sure you've seen clips of this. I think so. We're just gonna watch a couple minutes here. We're gonna stop at uh, nineteen minutes and thirty three seconds. We're not watching nineteen minutes of this. Okay, uh, that's that's far too much, Tommy, for me. Uh, hit play on three, two, one, play.
3: No, it's good. I mean, that's what I've liked about watching you for the last two years. Is I'm honest. Extremely, <laughs> extremely honest. Sometimes <laughs> probably too much, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. For my yeah, yeah. sometimes in yeah, yeah. uh, not in a good way. meaning people jump on me you know i I might say something last year and then something will change
2: exactly yeah and
3: then people say oh you're a liar well no i'm not a liar i wasn't lying at the time that's what we thought was happening you know so i I I sometimes wonder is it a generation thing as well because i'm like a little bit younger than you but i like yourself i know i can read between the lines i know what when you're joking when you're not right i know that things change over time and I think the problem is for the last two years you've really had the approach of showing the Amico saying we're making
2: this machine, and yeah. then for two years we're now going to show you bit by bit how you construct a console, how you change things, how you change the controller, um, you may add things, you may take things away. Yeah. We're going to show you the games from scratch. We're not going to show you them completely shiny. They're going to be in the yeah. early
3: stage, a like lot beta. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that. It, yeah, it's yeah. very they're very disconnected to that, aren't they? Mm. And and um again you know my goal with doing it that way was twofold um one is I wanted to take people on a journey with me you know like like for the people who are interested folks like yourself um and you know we you know I thought like wouldn't it be cool because you never see that with hardware right it's always like again PlayStation 5 what do we and Xbox Series X what do we really know about it well we kind of know what it looks like and and you know, it has lots of terra floppings and uh <laughs> let's yeah. hope they don't teraflop. Um and and um and and the games look, you know, like amazing and stuff, you know, but we don't even know the price two months out from release, right? Um and so and and so everyone's very very secretive when it comes to that. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do something a little different. So I wanted to take people on the journey with me because we do see kind of this culture like like, you know, like when you see on like a Kickstarter or Indiegogo p- campaign where it's like, "Hey, they've they, you know, when, once they supported a game or a product, they start to give updates of the game being made." I know like like I've done uh five very successful Kickstarter projects for my music and when we were making the albums we're like okay here we are in prague recording the string section and and here we are recording the choir and here we are and now we're at skywalker ranch mixing it so people felt like they were a part of it from the beginning watching this whole thing made and then they get a final product kind of thing so so i i always found that to be fun and people really enjoyed that so that's why i kind of you know looked at this product uh, project like that say you know what no one's ever seen uh, something being built from the beginning and all the trials and tribulations and the things that need to be changed and fixed and oh my gosh now the price has to go up all those things, let me take those you know people along with me so so that was one reason, and then the second reason is to help build interest and grassroots you know for again for certain people who are interested, which isn 't costing us any advertising dollars at all look Look at the tens of thousands of people, Pete. That that are following us. I mean, I I can tell you our mailing list just over the last year has gone up by thirty thousand people, right? And that's significant when it's just me talking about it for the most part, right? And you know, we put out interesting, funny videos sometimes or interesting things, but we're not spending any advertising dollars. So again, if if I was very secretive about everything. And I released the very first trailer about this like yesterday because we're coming out in eight months from now or seven months from now. So let's release this first trailer. Imagine the last two and a half years would have been erased and all those thousands of videos that are out already on YouTube, all of the discussions, all of the excitement all of that stuff wouldn't be there. So again, you know, so those are the the two main reasons why um, I did that, but, but you're right though. You know, I think it is a generational thing. I think, you know, younger people, you know, they, 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 you know, the Twitter culture, if you will, or the cancel culture has, has, you know, um, you know, put people on notice, anything you say, Five years from now, you're going to get called out on, it. you know, I I think it's an awful thing that where, you know, social media has become specifically Twitter, too. And, uh, you know, when you're anonymous on a message board or or uh, on YouTube and you're anonymous and, you know, then you feel the you, you can feel like I can say is the nastiest things ever because it has no repercussions for me forget the person who puts themselves out there and who takes all the risks and who wants to just bring something fun and new and unique and beautiful to the world to bring people together. Yeah. Forget that guy. Screw him. I can be anonymous. And so let me just trash him. You know, so there's that, that kind of weird mentality. And I do think it's a generational thing.
1: So the, the kids are doing too much cancel culture and they're yelling at me on forums. I mean. And they and they won't give me their name. Those cowards.
0: I'll give you my address, Tommy. Like you can you can <laughs> fly up now to um Seattle, Washington, or I'm I'm sitting here waiting. Meet me at the uh, Cap Hill Light Rail. We'll we'll go at it. This guy is very egotistical, and he thinks he could do it. And he thought thought of it in his brain, so he just figured it would be real but there's a billion different realities which come from translating a thing in your brain to a real project especially if it's not software and or digital right like if you have the limitations of like the physical world that you have to deal with if you're very much in the head of like i am you know i have this beautiful brand new idea to resurrect my childhood and give new children something to remember like it's you know you're you're not really thinking about these things and you know when you're and if you're very easily like angered, and the people whose money you took start getting a little mad like <laughs> you know right. it's it's probably not gonna it's not gonna go well for either of you regardless of how correct or incorrect you are
1: yeah and he's he's a little bit right that probably most of the people complaining about this online are not the target market but if that's the case then just ignore them tommy
0: yeah just to go back because i totally forgot about the whole like cancel culture stuff right like uh, like tom this is just very obvious like him flailing you know like it's it's he's he's just angry about like people criticizing him it's very like childish immature stuff right but like if you actually, like, drill down into, like, why is he just suddenly talking about cancel culture or, like, you know, the gaming racists? When he starts talking about, like, that stuff, right? I mean, he he's doing it because, like, he's mad people are criticizing him because he's not doing a perfect job, right? Like, that is just basically it. Like, he's people right. are criticizing him for very reasonable things, like, where's my video game console, Tommy? I gave you my money. Like, things... Things like that, and he just starts getting like real mad and he just starts flailing around about cancel culture, it's cause they're right. <laughs> it's cause they're it's cause they're correct. Like just just blatantly.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people, I'm sure because he seemed just very online that I'm sure he came across some criticism that like didn't make sense. It was just people on Twitter saying dumb stuff. But like, yeah, you ignore those people, Tommy. And if there's valid yeah. criticism, then maybe try to address that. But he do- he doesn't do that part well either, as, as we find out later. Okay, so in August of 2020, we get the first delay. The release date is pushed back to yeah. April 15th, 2021, to, quote, overcome the myriad of obstacles and constraints imposed by the global pandemic, quote. Which is, that's fair. Yeah. Basically, everyone did that. That's okay. You can get, you get one free pass here, Tommy yeah that's fine
0: i mean the pandemic like you know famously um the pandemic started in china which is where a lot of hardware manufacturing takes place um and for a couple months at the start i think it was mm, late february through almost june to july of 2020. many because uh china had uh what was it a zero covid policy, right? Where they would not tolerate a single case. They shut everything down. Total quarantine of like entire cities. Factories were closed for months on end. And this caused like, you know, a lot of manufacturing delays and uh constraints for a lot of things across the industry. Um famously, you know, the the video game consoles that were launched later that year. The uh I think it's the eighth generation we're in now or ninth. I think we're in the ninth gen now. Jesus. I think we're in the ninth gen now. Um, But, like, the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S launched in late 2020, and famously, you know, they had supply constraints for quite a while, almost all the way up until um, basically this year, you know? It was almost impossible to find one in a store. Like, that was because of that manufacturing constraint. Various other things, such as the um, analog pocket, which was one of my favorite gaming devices uh had problems you know shipping due to that i think it was delayed for a bit and even more famously a thing which almost never got delayed ever the iphone got delayed for an entire month for the first time ever it shipped in october instead of september that year like it had ramifications
1: yeah it was it was definitely like big moment for for realizing how how interconnected manufacturing fails when like one part is missing Exactly. Yeah, so Tommy gets a break. That's That one's fine. You can have one delay. But in February of 2021, which would be uh, two months before that delay, or two months before the new release data gets pushed back again, to October 10th of 2021, hmm. and again, they cited supply, uh, supply chain problems. In April of 2021, Intellivision asked for more money from investors uh, in another crowdfunding campaign. Uh, this time on the uh, site Republic, which I don't believe is around anymore. I think they got bought by something else. But the campaign page claimed the Amico had $25 million in pre-orders by this point and over 100,000 units pre-sold to customers and retailers. And that campaign raised $11 million for the company from a total of 9,411 investors which was uh, very uh, not close to their goal of fifty million. And again, this is the uh, second, second or third time they're raising money publicly while also having the money from the the uh, refundable uh, pre-orders.
0: Tommy wants money. Um, Tommy wants
1: more money.
0: Tommy wants money. Uh, yeah. So where'd that money go?
1: I, I know one of the like very obvious uh money wasters throughout this and television had multiple offices worldwide uh and like they Aww. even did like videos where they had like these like massive offices uh they had offices in Salt Lake City Utah Irvine California uh Dubai and uh, Nuremberg Germany so i i don't know why you need that kind of an operation for this before you ship anything but well, he, they did
0: He's just front-running the legal issues with the Nuremberg office. You know, he's getting ready. <laughs> yeah. um, he needs to be there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it seems like, you know, Tommy's a big return-to-office supporter, and it seems to have paid off really well for him.
1: So then in June of 2021, uh, some information from the developer portal for the Amico was leaked, and uh, ArsTenica did a good write-up of it. Uh, this provided the first clues about the console's actual hardware and performance, because, again, before this point, we were just getting, like, marketing materials, some of which was, like, Photoshopped. Right. This is when we find out the console is using Qualcomm's Smart Display 200 platform. So this is a chip made for smart displays, which uh, don't really play games, uh, that had a Snapdragon 624 chipset, uh, 16 gigabytes of flash storage, and 2 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, and Intellivision's documentation uh, mentioned the ZTE ZMAX Pro Z981 as a good performance benchmark when testing Amico software, which is a $100 budget phone from 2016. Okay. So this is not... not Again, they did say earlier this was mostly 2D games, so it's probably fine, but... I'd
0: say it's kind of a red flag that it's like a smart display chip. But depending on the actual, like, how much they're going to sell it for, it doesn't seem crazy. Which, do they even announce that yet? Or is that, like,
1: on Yeah, well, well the, before they said they were targeting, like, maybe $180. Okay. So that is more than the $100 budget phone from, from several me. years prior. Yeah, yeah, so
0: never mind then. That seems like it's not great. Like, I get you're not throwing a great, you know, CPU in there, but you could probably afford to put in, like, um, an old snapdragon inside you know
1: or like, like if, if if nothing else then like something to make the menus load faster or something because yeah, that's like, gonna get that's gonna get a little little uh, laggy
0: yeah it's gonna not be great especially when you're trying to sell this thing that like it's going to go on for years you might not want it to be like the most cutting-edge game graphics possible right but i would assume that like you might want an over the air update 5 years down the line to be like hey this outputs to like 4K or whatever you know right. like just just something like that to future proof it
1: yeah and and we also get some technical details about the controllers um they are using 240 megahertz system on a chips designs mm-hmm. uh so they are very very low end and uh, the actual games that would run on this, which I, I believe how this worked was, like, the the part on the screen could either be, like, controls or a dedicated game. That, like, entire content, including, like, whatever images needed to be on there, could not exceed one megabyte.
0: So, wait, no, let me get this right, because I might be a little confused. My assumption, when I saw the screens, and this is because this is how the Wii U famously works is that for the the Wii U for those who don't know was um Nintendo's a failed successor to the Wii. Um but it had a giant touchscreen tablet which was included with the device called the GamePad, very much like a proto Nintendo Switch. Except famously nothing actually ran on it. Um right. all it, it could not work when it was in any relative proximity away from the system itself because the Wii U box That was under the television actually did all the processing for the visuals on the gamepad and wirelessly streamed those uh, visuals to the gamepad when i saw the amico for the first time my assumption was that that is how the touch screens on the controllers would work is that not the case
1: no it's it's not streaming streaming from the console it's like they're sort of like independent Apps that get like loaded onto it, and then they're communicating with the console. Yeah, it's not good. It's not.
0: Why would you do that? That's that seems like a horrific idea.
1: That kind of thing would make like those like fully independent games work. Like theoretically, you could shut off the console and then keep playing something. But like, you're not going to get a lot in one megabyte.
0: Right. I also don't understand the the sort of like. I don't really see the point to stressing that as a feature. You know. Like, if your selling point is, we're bringing families together. You know, your mom and your dad, they constantly shout in the other room. They're coming back together, child, if you just get an Amico. Like, that whole thing very much is almost antithetical to the whole, well, you can just kind of play a video game by yourself when the TV's not yeah. being used. Like, it just seems like it's very much like, hey, our point is that there's not all this modern Marxism stuff. to um to you know make your video games bad i don't understand why suddenly the whole entire design of the system is around the architecture that i don't know maybe someone wants to play snake on it (laughs) when the when the tv's off or in their bedroom like these i think these kids have ipads right like you have to like you have to get into your mind when you're building a system like this that these children have iPads, they have fire tablets, they have very cheap little things that basically allow them to watch Bluey, and those things can play whatever off-screen game you're thinking of a lot better than, like, this. And it just it just seems like they absolutely got the design wrong.
1: Yeah, those iPads have Minecraft on them, Tommy. You're competing with Minecraft.
0: Yeah, and it's it's true. The greatest video game of all time.
1: So uh, when Ars Technica reported on the leak, uh, Tommy threatened legal action in a series of posts on Twitter. He said, quote, Ars Technica journalist, journalist in quotes, uh, just illegally posted a bunch of confidential information about Intellivision in his ridiculous misinformed article. This private info had not for public use in caps and confidential caps all over it. Unfortunately, legal action will need to be taken. Same genius who thinks using stock photos is against the law, quote. And that part was in reference to Intellivision using Photoshop stock images in, in their promotional material, which I guess Ars Technica also covered at some point. So uh, th- those those tweets were uh, deleted pretty soon after, and, and Tommy eventually apologized. So that's good.
0: Oh, he actually apologized for that?
1: Yep. He apologized. I
0: did not expect that of him. That's actually kind of, like, <laughs> shocking to me. Um, it's just very much like, I'm mad this leaked. Yeah. Um. That, that That is not a whole, hey, you know, this is, like, bad information.
1: Yeah, like, he was not disproving anything in the article. He was just mad that it was discovered. The incidents keep coming. In November of 2021, the Intellivision game... Tank Battle, that was in development for the Amico, mm-hmm. was revealed to be using models and artwork copied from the World of Tank’s mobile game and various stock images, and television responded by taking the demo video down for Tank Battle, then uploading it again, and then deleting that one and uploading again for a third time. Uh, the third video upload added a disclaimer that the game was a work in progress and using placeholder graphics. And then around the same time, there was a video... I, I think it was, like, like a demo unit somewhere in a store or something uh, that was running uh, one of the other Amico games, Moon Patrol, yeah. which was just using text copied and pasted directly from Nintendo's Star Fox game.
0: Hey, you know what? Star Fox rocks. Great thing to, like, illegally steal from.
1: Yep. Not great. And, and also, a lot of the games at this point are are sort of revealed to be like ports of mobile games, which, again, like, for what they're going for, like, that's not the worst idea, but it's less exciting. Uh, The Intellivision Amico was delayed again to December 2021, and then it was delayed again to sometime in 2022. In January 2022, Intellivision once again got mad at Ars Technica over an article outlining how the Amico had still not shipped. Basically, the, the article is just, like, summing up a lot of the things I've I've said, like, they're having weird, like, marketing stuff, and Tommy's being weird online. And uh, the official Intellivision account on Twitter published a statement of facts on its website and Twitter account in response to the article, which is really bizarre. The The statement had a, a few points, like, they, they refuted a couple things in the article that were, like, kind of valid... Uh, for example, Ars Technica had said that the Amico had a profit margin of over 100%, and they were basing that on the uh, leaked parts from from that, um, like the specifications, like they were like, this chip costs this amount from Qualcomm, and, and so on. Um, and Intellivision said in their statement that that was never true, and that the hardware costs had increased due to COVID-related chip shortages, which might be true, that sounds plausible. That article also called some of the demonstrated games unfinished, and television said they were in fact finished, and some of them had official ratings. But again, like finished is sort of in quotes here because you can't play them because the console's not out yet. So that was kind of a weird thing that happened. Uh, my my favorite part of that was uh, in the Twitter reply, someone had the uh, had a screenshot of a drill tweet, and the tweet was, and another thing, I'm not mad. Please don't put in the newspaper that I got mad. <laughs>
0: The Nostradamus of our time. I like it when he keeps getting mad, like, like a, like a, just his face gets all red like he's a Looney Tune. It's very funny, (laughs) honestly, you know, just like seeing all this kind of go down. It's, it's very enjoyable to watch.
1: Yeah. And, uh, in February of 2022, which was a, a month after that, uh, Tommy stepped down as CEO of Intellivision, but remained on the board as president and the largest shareholder that same month Intellivision television started another round of funding because they're running out of money because they haven't shipped a console yet
0: yeah afterwards they hired uh, linda yakarino in order to be the ceo of television <laughs> um, she seems to know her stuff actually and uh probably you know steer the ship properly uh, disclaimer
1: this is a joke that didn't happen
0: <laughs> um, but yeah like they, so what what how did that money situation resolve
1: they were hoping to raise another $10 million here, which would allow them to continue functioning for 7 to 9 months. And they were hoping in that time they would ship a console and they could actually start, you know, having a product to sell that would make money. That page included an SEC filing that said the company had $1.2 million in short-term debt and an additional $7.2 million in long-term debt. And a lot of that was gaining interest... <laughs> Because Intellivision television had zero revenue, it couldn't pay any of it back yet. Right, um, and that funding campaign ended early after only raising fifty-eight thousand dollars from fifty-four investors.
0: Turns out, you know, you should have been a little bit nicer to all those gaming racists, Tommy. Those those are the people who, you know, really want to give you your, give give Tommy his money.
1: So, in April of 2022, Intellivision started cutting staff and licensing some intellectual property, and they were still hoping to ship the Amico console sometime in 2022. In June of that year, Intellivision said the test production run, quote, should be completed in the next few weeks, quote. Uh, In November of 2022, the company said 25 consoles and 50 controllers were in final production. Uh, That same month... Uh, HBomberguy on YouTube published a two-hour-long video called RobloxOOF.mp3, mm-hmm. which explored the origin of Roblox's OOF sound and how it was owned by Tommy, and it also talked a lot about the Intellivision product.
0: Disclosure, I'm a patron. Uh, I'm a patron of HBomberguy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that put even more attention on Intellivision and how the Umiko had still not shipped. In January of 2023, the company said final tests of production hardware were going well. Again, oh. they'd said that a year ago.
0: I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, glad I'm glad things are going well. It's like my it's like if my manager checked up on me asking me how things are going after four months of a project not being delivered. And I'm like, it's coming along. Yeah.
1: And then in, in April of 2023, Intellivision CEO Phil Adams said, quote... We have been working on finishing the console, firmware, and content. I plan to come out with a more complete update after the current round of discussions and release some video showing where we stand. In May of 2023, so a month after that statement, Intellivision reorganized as it remained very low on funds and still didn't have a console to sell to anyone. This is when the company started licensing its intellectual property to other companies to create games for other platforms. So their hope is, like, some short-term revenue based on the IP that we we bought already and are just kind of sitting on. Again, like, they don't have a lot at this point, but yeah. And then um, also they, they announced that they were going to bring some of its games to mobile devices under the name Amico Home. And they also said that, quote, shipping a console remains a part of our product strategy, quote. Uh, But notably, there is still no shipping date for the Amico, and uh, it's uh, unclear if if they ship a console, is it going to be the Amico or something else? Don't really know. They're being pretty vague. In August of 2023, Bonus Stage Publishing released the game Gravitators on Steam, which was originally intended to be an Amico-exclusive game. So Mm. some of the games that were being made for this console are now, like, being ported to other platforms because the Amico is not happening. And then in September of 2023, uh, two games created for the Miko, Astro Smash and Shark Shark, were listed on Steam, Xbox, and the Switch digital stores. Shark Shark is the one that got, like, demonstrated the most for the Miko. In most of the marketing material we get, they're playing this game. This is a game made for a console that was supposed to be released three years prior to this, and it was mostly the only game they showed this whole time. (laughs) Uh, And it's like a a 2D game where, like, you're a fish and you're trying to avoid a shark.
0: I would like to point out quickly, actually, the gameplay itself is 2D, but the game itself seems to actually utilize 3D models. I I don't know if I'm wrong with that, but...
1: Yeah, it does. Okay. These games were published by the German-based game developer BBG Entertainment, which acquired the full rights to these from Intellivision in May. So... This is one of the games that Intellivision, like, quickly sold the IP for to get some revenue. What's funny is that these games are still advertised as having music composed by Tommy, even though at least Shark Shark was discovered to be using stock music. So, that's cool. Intellivision is still taking reservations for the Amico, which at one point required a deposit, but that's now zero dollars. They're not taking anyone's money for that. They are... Still selling a collector's edition bundle of physical Amico games in case you want games for a console that doesn't exist. Uh, there's a four There's a four pack for eighty dollars, or an eight pack for one hundred and fifty dollars.
0: Now, Corbin, I have, a, I have a question for you. I'm not sure if you know the answer, but I do. D- isn't the console a digital-only console? How are these selling physical games for them?
1: Uh, they're not like really the cartridges, or right. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They they're, they're, they're it, just like they just look cool.
0: I think they're literally like NFC tags.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, they they have like the code for the game, but they they don't like physically go into the console or anything.
0: Yeah. whoops. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah you can still buy those. Uh that's the thing. And there've been no updates from Intellivision uh from that statement in May of 2023. We're recording this at the end of September of 2023. And also, that statement wasn't even like shared on their social media platforms. If you go pull up their, like their Twitter, or their Instagram, uh, the posts are from. I think like I don't even know if they had one from 2022, but it that those have not been touched in a while. Um, the company looks looks dead from the outside. I I don't like doing episodes about ongoing situations. Um, but this is one where it does not seem to be ongoing. I, I think there's like a ninety nine percent chance that the Amico does not ship. Um, I, I don't think it's gonna be real. Uh, I, I don't know what's gonna happen to uh, Tommy. Also, hasn't said anything online in in quite a while.
0: Yeah, it's I don't know. Very very public. Very not great failure. Um, and. But I and I think again with any other person in any other company, I feel like, you know, it's it sucks. You know, you haha, you make fun of it, but like, I'd say I'd say, what is it? The thing that this reminds me the most of, uh in the gaming world, I would say is, and it's not a it's not a good thing to remind that I'm reminded of the Ouya, but it's the Ouya. So, what I mean, it's a very similar story that ended in a very similar way, right? So, like, what was the Ouya? The Ouya was a small $100 box that ran Android. And the idea was that, essentially, it was going to be a very, very, very indie-friendly platform that allowed games to be kind of on the TV. I think their whole goal was basically be, like, a little... You know how there's all those small little PC games on, like, Itch.io or Steam? Like, they wanted to be a box that allowed you to play those on your television. And they had a lot of grand ideas about, like, you know, that all games uh, should have a demo, and, you know, they all should cost, like, a certain amount of money, and they shouldn't have DLC. A lot of it's very similar. Like, a lot of it sounds very similar. Um, it had a controller that was really terrible and everything, right? And it had, like, you know, people from the gaming industry who piled onto to it. Um, unlike the Amico so far, it actually did become a physical product that was released. Um, and you know, it did have some games, and it, it turned out to be a failure. And I think the company dissolved. At least they don't exist anymore in their previous state, and they're no longer making it. But I think no one is really like, I I don't know. I I don't think anyone was explicitly rooting for the failure of the Ouya, right? Like it was a huge Kickstarter thing. You know, its failure and the fact that it didn't really turn out the way people wanted, and you know, its bad reception was just. Kind of their own fault, but you know, it was it was kind of you know it had a crub cat video or whatever, and then you know people just kind of laughed at it for a couple weeks and went on with their lives. Like it wasn't a continuous like thing, and I think that in, that's entirely Tommy's fault, because when you just become this public antagonistic figure towards the people who like want to support you, you know, like. It's just, this is, this is what's going to happen. Like, you're never going to be able to regain their trust. Like, you can't really work in this industry to, like, sell a consumer product again, right? <laughs> like, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I I wouldn't want to dogpile on a company trying to ship, number one, a console, which is a very, very difficult market to break into. Very. Uh, and number two, trying to ship hardware during COVID. Uh, oh, so God. a lot of a lot of factors stacked against this, but again, we have this like really weird terminally online dude at the forefront of this, who just every time there was the slightest issue with this console in the public sphere, uh, just immediately like attacked them, like like someone at Ars Technica just reporting on a website that was accidentally marked as public. And you like threatened to sue them. That is not what. <laughs> that's not what you do as a CEO of a company. That's crazy. Yeah,
2: um, exactly. and like
1: stuff like that just kept happening over and over and over again. So feels bad. I, I I think some people didn't get their like refunds on this or had issues getting them. Um, obviously really bad for a lot of the developers who who spent time and money and energy on on games for this. I think Intellivision had some kind of like agreement where they would pay up front for, like, some of the game's development. I don't think that really ever happened, so then we we got into the, like, with Gravitators, where they had to sort of pivot and and turn it into a a game for something else. So, not great. Um, and uh, Tommy, Tommy Bad.
0: Tommy Bad. Tommy Sad. Tommy Mad. I don't know. Like, it's it's a sad story uh, just kind of, like, cements kind of the, because I would love to see more challenges in the video game industry. I love weird consoles. I love wacky ideas. I always root for these guys to succeed, you know, when they're trying something new and fun and cool. Um, I loved the, famously, I loved the systems that, um, die, even before they do. Uh, I was a big fan of the Wii U, and I loved my Vita, and, you know, I loved all these little failures, uh, but, um, you know, I'd say if you're looking for, I don't know, I like, if if it's funny, because it's, it's not even like all loss, right? Like, this doesn't always happen. Say, like, see the play date for like a great example of like, how to kind of do a similar idea, but do it in a way that's great and good. And people like it, you know, it's like, right. there's, there's still, you can still break into the gaming space with like a small niche little device that plays a subset of retro games that you know, from your childhood and allows for kind of developer creativity. So I hope this type of story doesn't make people, like, look at this and go, well, gee, that sure sucks. It's going to be Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo forever, and we should never try. Because, like, you should.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the Miko. Um, Evan, would you like to plug anything as as we get out of here?
0: Um. Yeah, no, I don't really... Uh... I'm not a poster anymore, um, because of certain scenarios that might have happened with big websites I liked. Uh, but I do have a blog where I write significantly worse than Corbin, but I do write. It is at my it's at a website, Evan.exposed. You can uh follow it in your favorite RSS reader and or on ActivityPub because it actually syndicates there, which is really weird and I don't want to think about it. Um, but I will every once in a while I'll write posts about things there. So feel free to follow me and um email me angrily. Um, especially if you're Tommy Tallarico, in which that offer I talked about was real. Meet me in the Cap Hill Light Rail.
1: <laughs> yes, go go read Evan's blog and go fight Evan in person.
0: Yeah, I mean I'll lose. Uh I'm I'm lifting. I'm trying like I'm 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 trying to get some upper body strength. Okay, disclaimer. Tommy, this is a joke. <laughs> please <laughs> do not. Please do not come to Seattle to fight me. I'm I'm totally serious. But do go to but do go to therapy. You have the buddy. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Unlike Evan, TechTales is on Twitter at @TechTalesShow. <laughs> uh and also unlike Evan, TechTales is on Mastodon at TechTales okay. at mas.to. The links for those are in the show notes. Also in the show notes are all of the sources. We cite our sources here at TechTales. Yeah. And uh, also the links to the, the videos. And um, that's, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll be back in your podcast feed soon. Bye-bye. All right.
0: Bye. Forgot I'm supposed to say that.